it's off the fence. It is, it is. We're all Maltesered up. We just have Maltesers. Anything can happen in the next half hour. (laughs) I'm James Fox. I'm Alex Maskell. And we're going to be talking about mainly Islamophobia on the show tonight and how it's um, portraying itself inside the Tory party. That's basically the main thing we'll be talking about because we talked about anti-Semitism in the Labour Party a fair bit recently and the independent group. Yeah, plus generally we gave you an extra long one last time. So, you know, you can take a you can take a smaller, more focused one from us. Just fucking don't ask anything of us, you hogs. <laughs> so if you listen for the first time, this is Off The Fence. Soundcloud.com slash Off The Fence is on there. iTunes and Twitter, we're out Off The Fence Talk. We are. Cool. Uh, increasingly regularly and with just less and less coherence with each passing career. Yeah, yeah. So, first off, before we get into talking about Islamophobia, Nigel Farage. Is Nigel be doing Farage. A Brexit betrayal march. Have you heard about this? I have. He's going to be doing it from Sunderland to London over two weeks. Now, I presume that's not like uh, a completely, you know, one long two week stint of just solid walking, no sleep, no, no nothing. Uh, it seems to be breaking it up slightly. Um, but they're calling it the Brexit betrayal march. It's going to lead up to March 29th when they believe they'll be betrayed. I'm sceptical that any of these people have the cardio for this. No, especially Nigel Farage. All those pints, all those... I mean, the smoking, come on. I mean, we don't know. Maybe he's fucking ripped. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's why like the, the plane crash didn't kill him. It's because his powerful muscles protect him. So I thought I'd bring this up because apparently you've got to pay £50 to join him. Well, why wouldn't you? That's a lot of money to feed off his incredible power. Or at least that £50 apparently is going to go to some sort of accommodation or something on this march so you can, you know, have a slumber party with old Nigel <laughs> and uh, have a great time. Uh, who wouldn't want that? Yeah. Like, uh, who who has the time to do this? Like, o- over the course of two weeks, are they going... Like, what if people have, like, jobs to go to? <laughs> also, the independent group have announced their leader. They have. They have, and it's none other than Chukaramuna. To nobody's surprise whatsoever. Well, fucking slap me with a fish. I never <laughs> would have possibly guessed that this entire thing was just about letting Chucker Muna be leader of something yeah. finally after all this time. Well, to be honest, it, it is unsurprising it is we thought we'd mention it, but I feel like we should even just we should probably start like a TIG corner or something. We should make this like a regular segment. Because I swear every week there's just gonna be like hilarious stuff about the independent group that is it's definitely worth mentioning. Yeah, I'd certainly like to believe that the more <laughs> the more concrete they become and the more we find out what they actually stand for, the less people will like them. Like, they've made Mike Gapes in charge of their foreign policy. Mike Gapes yeah. being famously, and I'm speaking metaphorically here for any legal purposes, Saudi Arabia's favourite British piss pig. <laughs> and also, they've announced all the spokespeople for each issue. They made the tone-deaf decision to put a Tory in charge of welfare. Well, of course. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's I mean so we call fr- that tone-deaf, I call that a statement of intent. Yeah, exactly. it is exactly that. This kind of makes me wonder, like, uh, it, it also came out uh, this week that apparently Chukamuna never felt comfortable in the Labour Party at any point. Which begs the question, why didn't he become a Cameronite Tory? Like, this, this is the thing. Like, the, the point of the, uh, uh, the TIG is that they basically have the politics of the Cameronite Tory party. So why why did he join Labour? And I, I mean, we know the well, answer. Well, he, he ran on an anti-Trident, uh, kind of, you know, pretty much left-wing position when he ran for his seat in Streatham. Well, yes. yes. Uh, and then now, suddenly... He's... This is what I mean. We all know the answer. The answer is that he doesn't actually believe in anything except for his own social elevation. It kind of beggars belief the inability of this guy to maintain any kind of 
political identity beyond the sort of yawning maw of hunger for power. Yeah. I mean, one group of people that love the independent group, I'm sure, is The Observer. Um, you know, that great centre-left newspaper. Yeah, yeah, the voice of progressive Britain. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, they, they'd be very on board with a group like this. Uh, it's basically them um, reimagined in a political party, even though these, these guys aren't a political party yet. I've got to keep reminding myself of that. No, they're uh, not a political party. They're not a caucus. They're a social group. Yeah. They're a social club. So they did a piece today called, uh, on in The Observer, Independent Rebel MPs Prepare Way to Take on Main Parties at Election. And it's, you know, just talking about the independent group and what they It sounds like they're really up and running. Yeah. It's... The new independent group of 11 former Labour and Tory MPs will take the first steps towards becoming a fully-fledged political party that can take on the Tories and Labour at the next general election amid growing rumours that more defectors could soon join their ranks. That's the Observer's top line on that. Um, interestingly, a few people have pointed out that if you scroll all the way down to the end of the piece, you know, usually the last few paragraphs are like literally the um, negligible information. Yeah, no, nobody's getting to that. They're reading the headline, a smaller number are clicking through to read the first couple of paragraphs. Yeah. I mean, Nobody it, gets to the end of these things. I mean, That's even, where you bury information. Even before online, in journalism, the last stuff in the article is like the negligible stuff that the yes. editor can cut from underneath if it has to be made into a short story. So quite interesting to see that they add in at the end of this. Observer commissioned a poll by, the opi- by opinion. Uh, a voting contention poll. That stuff's usually a little bit further up. Um, maybe they uh... seems pressing. Sorry, who commissioned this? Uh, the Observer. So the pa- so the the paper here has buried their own poll at the end of this story. I mean, usually when that sort of stuff happens, it's because the results have come counter to what their political bias wants it to be. That's and intriguing. Let's have a little look at the numbers. The poll reveals that the Tories are on thirty-seven percent, four points ahead of Labour on thirty-three percent. That's a four-point lead. It's a, it's a substantial lead, yeah. you know, but it's not the wild and away 12-point lead that some other polls have been giving them. The Liberal Democrats, where are they? Um, 7%. UKIP, 7%. Okay, so there's no way that the saviours of British politics, the independent group, have come under them, is there? I mean, I don't know. Maybe they got 5%, which is below... That, 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 seems, that seems unlikely. Does, does it say 5%? Yes, it says 5%. Below <laughs> UKIP, below Lib Dems. Okay, so they're less popular than the Liberal Democrats. I mean, they're less popular than UKIP. Most relevantly to their kind of political base, they're less popular than the Liberal Democrats. In this poll, just one poll, of course, always add that caveat. But, you know, it's just interesting to see the Observer bury that at the end of the article. Is that weighted to who's actually able to vote for them? Uh, Probably not, no. I I wouldn't imagine it would be because that would be a nightmare to um, set up. That's true. Because it is national voting intention. So, and you wouldn't have those sorts of numbers on the Tories and Labour front either. Sure. Anyway... Uh, interesting there. Um, like I said, I, I feel like we should just make the independent group like a regular segment on the show because it's going to come up again and again and again. And also, it's pressing. Like we we kind of make fun of them and of the kind of you know thing that they're trying to do, but they are a big deal in that they are a major barrier to there being any kind of progressive government in this part in this country. That's an important thing to bear in mind. So yes, it is important to keep track of them. They they are a dumping ground. Uh, for people who would vote Tory but they don't want to feel mean. So, like, typically those people would grit their teeth and vote Labour, and they're the people who, essentially, the term virtue signalling was originally coined in The Spectator to talk to, people whose entire morality is that they vote Labour, and now their entire morality is that they vote for the independent group because they're sort of a similar kind of professionalised... Uh, neoliberal party that Labour were back when they used to vote for them, 
except that now they're you know still not the Tories which is the main important part mm -hmm. and so it is yeah it's still hugely important to cover them and to recognize that they are also a danger to the possibility of a progressive government in this country. Oh yes, very much indeed. So, on to the main story we'll be talking about tonight. And it is Islamophobia, and specifically in the Tory party, which we've talked about before, around the time that Boris Johnson made his comments about Muslim women looking like letterboxes when they wear burqas. So, uh, you know, it, it goes far beyond that. It's been, this is a story and something that's been going on for well over a year to two years um, the Muslim Council of Britain have been calling for an investigation into the party for uh, you know, at least a year I think it's like a year ago now they, they brought up with that and there are various figures in the party that have been discussing it and trying to flag it up as well well I'm sure that the Conservative Party feels a huge amount of pressure to do a good faith investigation into Islamophobia among themselves so that they can retain the, I assume, massive amount of their voter base that are Muslims? Hmm. Well, you know, let's have a look at a few things that have rumbled up on this topic. First of all, an exclusive from Evolve Politics, who trawled through various Facebook groups that were run by Conservative Party councillors and Conservative Party councillor candidates in some places, and revealed a number of things, and just kind of just threw them out there and said, you know, what are you going to do about this? In these groups, there's various people... Um, spouting anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, bombing mosques, um, saying they support that, reveling in shooting immigrants, calling black people and immigrants wogs, uh, Muzrat blacks and ragheads. Um, and it's, it's all in there. And if you go on the Evolve Politics website, you can see um, how some of these people aren't just in these groups. And I think it's worth underlining that because there was uh, pieces in the Times about uh, Labour Party politicians and uh, uh, figures. Yeah, because you can just add people to yeah. being admins on a Facebook on group. On Facebook, you can just add people to groups, uh, or at least you could in, in the past. So it meant that a lot of people in 2018 and 19 are parts of groups that they even, don't even realise they're parts of. So just someone merely being a member of a group is, is much less incriminating. But when someone's an admin... It seemed very incriminating when they were talking about it last time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But when they're an admin of a group, an actual, you know, someone who's created the group or is actively administrating it and, you know, and watching the post, then that's a little bit different. And here are some of the results that they, they got. At least seven comments that describe Muslims and immigrants as ragheads, um, as Evolve Politics have detailed. A comment that describes Bane people as wogs. A comment telling a black British soldier to piss off back to Africa. Um, a comment telling an EU immigrant wanting advice on universal credit to F off back to Poland. Um, a comment which tells Bradford-born Labour MP Naz Shah to piss off to her own country. Mm, maybe that is where she lives at the moment. Uh, a comment which describes Labour Mayor of London Sadiq Khan as a conniving little Muzrat. I mean, it's kind of disgusting to read all this stuff out, but I feel like, you know... We, hey, we, we need to be confronted with the degree of hatred here. Yeah. Comments about cockroaches in terms of references to migrants. And one of the worst offenders, which is a comment joking about bombing mosques by one user in the group, which then a Tory council candidate comes in, comments and says, yeah, I agree, definitely, and it basically endorses it. Um, not tagged in the post or anything. Someone, she just felt the need to contribute. Yeah, someone just wrote, bomb the fucking lot when talking about um, uh, mosques and Muslims. And she just comes in and goes, I agree. But any chance you could edit your comment, please? No swearing policy on the group. Thanks. Oh, 
Those are fucking those are hell. Extremely cool priorities. So your priority is to bomb Muslims and do it whilst not swearing. Yeah, well, that's what these people think racism is. It's it's being rude. So if you're just polite about it, it's not racist. Yeah, other people commented saying all mosques should be closed down. And it goes on and on and on and on. And, you know, anti-Semitic Rothschilds and George Soros conspiracies pop up in there as well. Two Bane Labour MPs, Diane Abbott and Dawn Butler, described as monkeys. A comment saying that the Bain former Labour MP Fiona Onasanya should be put on a banana boat back home. It goes on and on and on. And all of it is pretty disgusting. So there has been some bounce back on this. Tory councillor suspended over Islamic phobic posts in Facebook group that he moderates. Uh, and this is Martin York, a Conservative councillor in Wellingborough, uh, a moderator of the group we were just talking about. Boris Johnson supporters group um, on Facebook. And there's posts that he made in the group, which are obviously, you know, it doesn't look good. So they've suspended him. Brandon Lewis trying to take action on other people as well. But but certainly the one thing that people are asking for in this situation is, well, if this keeps happening, as has been documented lots of times, and we've talked about those documented instances on this show, then why not actually do a proper investigation into the party? You can you can argue the merits of the Chakra Party report in the Labour Party, but yeah, you at, know, least it, it, system, at least it was a systematic undertaking yeah. of that kind of. They didn't just ignore the the problem. Uh, it's hard to say that the no, main... it's well, Ian Nichols uh, back or uh, Ian McNichol. Ian McNichol did basically ignore it once it came out, and, and unfortunately, he was replaced by Jenny Formby, who has actually done stuff. Ian McNichol being a previous General Secretary of the Labour Party, yeah, obviously. But yeah, there was an invest. There was an investigation that sought to actively hunt this stuff down and see where it's coming from and how it can be best fought. There's those instances, and you might be thinking, "Yeah, but like, there's just some councillors, right? It's just just some like low-level Tory party people, you know. You know, it's not quite the case because this stuff expands right out, um, and we're going to be talking about that further. How it's not just like a small problem in the Conservative Party it is much more widespread." And if people aren't aware of that, we can make them aware of that now. Um, Mukdad Versi um, did a piece in The Guardian. Um, he's a spokesperson for the Muslim Council of Britain. And again, we mentioned they've been talking about that uh, for a while. Um, read that piece in The Guardian from him. Uh, and he, here he says, you know, Conservatives are turning a blind eye to Islamophobia in the party despite the scale of the issue. Um, and he's written a thread about how it's it's not just small, low-level people. It permeates the party entirely. Um, the most notable example of this would probably be Zach Goldsmith's highly racist campaign to be mayor of London a few years ago. I mean, it's not like the current campaigner who they have against uh, running against Sadiq Khan is less racist yeah. or not racist. <laughs> well, totally. But I mean, that campaign, you know, coming up for 2020, I believe. Yes. That's still, you know, very much on the horizon in terms of getting moving. Sure. We- this was one that is on paper as being basically entirely built on like Islamophobia and portraying him as an extremist, which is patently absurd and is something which even senior Tory MPs talked about. Yeah. But this was a this was a campaign that was run centrally from party leadership that f- highlighted highly Islamophobic uh, themes in order to try and win this election. Ken Clark described that campaign as ludicrous. Um, other senior conservatives such as Andrew Boff um, described, you know, it, it was outrageous that they tried to paint Sadiq Khan as an extremist, trying to leak, link him to jihadists, essentially. 
but like I said, it's not just people like Zach Goldsmith um, uh, who should be held responsible. He says uh, Mick Dadversi in this. Although his comments were particularly awful, the entire party machinery supported him. Cameron, who was Prime Minister at the time, even libelled an imam as he tried to slur Sadiq Khan. And Hell yes. David Cameron forced to apologise for that. The Defence Secretary, also doing very similar shit, Michael Fallon. Um, remember that guy? <laughs> God, we had a lot of fun to- talking about him. Um, he had to pay damages to an imam he libelled as part of the same campaign to slur Sadiq Khan. McDad Versi says what this showed was the politics mattered more than the damage it would cause to Muslim communities on the ground. And when many called for an inquiry to Islamophobia at that stage, it was, you guessed it, ignored. We've also got to talk about Bob Blackman. Heard about Bob Blackman? Name rings a bell. Basically, Bob Blackman retweeted you know, anti-Muslim posts. He's hosted um, you know, anti-Muslim extremists in Parliament as well, retweeting Tommy Robinson. It's not just one one tweet as well. It's a pattern of behaviour. It goes on and on and on. Read that stuff from McDad Versi. There's a lot lot on there. It's an actual it's an actually ginormous thread that he goes into on detail there. So if you think this is a small issue, it's not. And read that from him. Is no, it's, uh, it's widespread, incredibly pernicious, and it fi- it factors into their political manoeuvring, which I think is really chilling, because there's like there's personal prejudice and there's a huge amount of that, but there's also the fact that there was a calculation that playing to this was advantageous that is on a fundamentally different level uh, that needs to be confronted as basically a just a, a complete difference in kind in the kind of bigotry it is where it's this is this is the instrumentalization of racism by a political party in order to better negotiate for power and that is just astonishingly systematically grotesque one person that's been talking about this a lot is obviously Saida Warsi Baroness a conservative peer I believe she's been talking about this quite a lot saying basically she's been talking about this for years yeah saying it's been riddled with it for ages and there needs to be an investigation I'm kind of pretty much saying that to an empty room with no one listening to her on it. Yeah, nobody. Well, people have acknowledged, like, oh, she's saying this, but like, nobody actually cares. No one follows up. Henry Smith the other day was on BBC Politics Live. Don't know if you saw this, and he was basically, you know, they Andrew Neil said, well, you know, there's this problem. Aren't you going to deal with it? Um, Saida Warsi has been saying this for ages, and uh, he was basically like, well, we can't be Islamophobic because we've got a Muslim Home Secretary. Uh, yeah. That's how it works, isn't they it? They have a black friend. Yeah, it's they, fine. Ha- they have a black friend. That's how it works. Uh, yeah. And uh, famously, you know, all women beaters had wives, so that means that they can't be, um, you know, anti-women or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. They, they married a woman. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's insane. And it's, it's I not think like... in 2010, um, Sajid Javid said he wasn't Muslim anyway. Also, like, <laughs> Sajid Javid has also been, like, extremely in favour of, like, deeply Islamophobic uh, or deeply xenophobic uh, policy and rhetoric coming out of the Conservative Party. It's not like he's a he's a like anti-Islamophobia crusader. Um, so you know, where's this going to go? Will we actually get any sort of investigation soon? I'm not. I'm not uh, thinking that's going to happen. But it, I think a large part we need to speak about here is the media kind of approach to this issue and the issue of anti-Semitism in the Labour yes, Party. Yes, as as crass as it can be, if it's done poorly, and hopefully we won't do it poorly, it's hard not to invite. Uh, comparison between the the crisis of Islamophobia in the Conservative Party and the crisis of uh, anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, where 
you know, when you when you compare the coverage it gets and also the magnitude and uh, prevalence of it within the party, uh, you, they draw the the kind of disparity between those things is very revealing. And I think this was most borne out to a lot of people's ire in the tweet from Laura Kunzberg, the BBC uh, political editor. So Laura Kunzberg tweeted this week, this is on a different political scale, but Tories also have a problem here. And she was pointing to a piece by the Huffington Post saying, Tory party showing, quote, telltale signs of institutional racism over Islamophobia. Um, and I think those are comments by Cedar Warsi. And there you go, Laura Kingsberg saying, well, this is on a different political scale, but Tories also have a problem here. And a lot of people were like, holy shit, yeah. this is... Uh... A lot of people read that as, well, politically speaking, this isn't as big of a deal as the anti-Semitism. Thing. Yeah. And when you think that, that's not because Laura Kingsberg uh, might be trying to hide something in terms of like, oh, let's cover this up somewhere. It's the way these... the, the Yeah, the a media... much better way to cover it up would have been to not tweet about exactly. it. Exactly. The, the way the way to view this is not on a conspiratorial, let's... let's um, let's be nice to the Tories, let's be nasty to Labour. That's not how this works, and it's not how uh, any, of the, any of this plays out. I mean, it's a bit how it works. Like, it, 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 but, it but is it, reflective of systemic racism that people just give less of a shit about Islamophobia yes, than about. Yes, but it's not like uh, there was a meeting held saying, right, we're going to be nice to the Tories, no. and we're going to be nasty to Labour. But... And there doesn't need to be, because these are systemic issues. There <laughs> doesn't need to be a conspiracy. So we were having a chat about this downstairs a minute ago. It needs to stop this kind of... I mean, it happens because she's the only one talking about it. But it needs to stop this kind of... Well, there seems to be an issue in the Conservative Party because Saeed Awasi keeps talking about it. And it's like, well, it's not an issue in the Conservative Party because Saeed Awasi keeps talking about it. It's an issue in the Conservative Party because, evidently shown from all these examples, it is an issue in the Conservative Party. I mean, bluntly, I think that a BBC politics reporter would probably put forward that that isn't their call to make, that the kind of moralising position is not their call to make. Their position is to judge on, as you said, that this is a, uh, as she said, this is on a different scale politically, because yeah. politically it is not a problem to the Conservatives or their coherency uh, that a, like, basically a single member of their party is talking about how this is an issue, whereas it's a problem for Labour that people are leaving because of mm -hmm. uh, their perception of anti-Semitism within the Labour Party. And it's a problem that community members and commentators keep talking about. It's a political problem, it's not a moral problem. Yeah, I, And yeah. refusing to acknowledge the moral dimension of this is where that disconnect comes. So Saeed Awasi, I think, you know, slapped back on a lot of this stuff. She uh, tweeted on the 25th of February on a report done by Hope Not Hate on conservative voters, uh, and she tweeted this at Brandon Lewis, trying to, clearly trying to get his attention. 42% uh, believe that Tommy Robinson highlights issues ignored by the media, which mostly are the kind of weird conspiracy theories he comes up with that are all like deeply Islamophobic and racially tinged. 47% uh, falsely believe that there are no-go areas where Sharia law dominates and non-Muslims can't enter. Like, it's worth mentioning, like, the places that this is typically applied to, like fin Finsbury Park and Whitechapel, like, my friends live there, I, like, walk around those regularly and never once have religious police attempted to decapitate me, so, yeah. I don't know, maybe they're not very well trained, or maybe they just <laughs> aren't present, and this is a ridiculous bullshit thing that conservatives like to say to 
fuel fears of a sort of Muslim invasion of the country. And the big one is 49% see Islam as a threat to British way of life. That is a huge deal. Half of conservative voters polled see Islam as a threat to the British way of life. And that is, that's where we really have to draw the, um, draw the comparison between prevalence of uh, serious, serious Islamophobia. Like, that, that is essentially the view that Islam is incompatible with maintaining Britain as it is. That serious, serious, like, you know, almost kind of threatening uh, levels of Islamophobia from almost half of conservative voters polled. Whereas if we compare this to, as we have a couple of times, the Institute for Jewish Policy Research's poll of uh, serious anti-Semitic uh, views within various parties, you know, from a an analysis of the data that they put together that has, kind of goes around uh, Twitter a lot, 3.6% of uh, Labour voters uh, share a seriously anti-Semitic thing. So that's 3.6% serious anti-Semitism among Labour voters and 49% serious Islamophobia among conservative voters. That is a... Again, I mean, again, that is a different political scale. I yes, think, yeah. not only... Again, that <laughs> is of a different political scale to the point where the effects it produces are a complete difference in kind. It's something that, as we've seen, allows the Conservative Party to actively use Islamophobia in its campaigns and in its yeah. policy making, where the... Like, the Labour Party, whatever you think about their kind of... Uh, you know any any sort of perceived like vacillating or equivocating action among any of its members has in terms of policy and in terms of campaigns only ever been like against anti-semitism yeah and, and when it's just like when i saw that different political scale tweet from her i was thinking hmm yeah when was the last time the labor party ran you know a campaign on one of the most powerful political offices in this country you know the mayor of london and and, you know, ran it on, like, properly anti-Semitic positioning and anti-Semitic tropes. When was that? Because, again, that's a, that's a moral scale. That's weighing the morality of what they're doing. On a political scale, she is absolutely right. Nobody in the Conservatives yeah. gives a shit about any of this. Nobody in the Conservatives gives a shit about basically taking one of the best arrows from their quiver and rendering it unusable. Nobody cares about doing an investigation into this because they do not care about the well-beings of Muslims in this country or in other countries who they are more than happy to bomb in exchange for like minor foreign po like imperial foreign policy uh, gains. Like they do not care and it actively ties a hand behind their back to care because they can use it to appeal to the many, many Islamophobes in this country. She is correct that it's in a different political scale, but the fact that she is correct reveals a greater kind of moral abdication going on here, which is that it is not her job to care about the actual harm that is being done to Muslims in this country and abroad as a result of these kinds of attitudes being perpetuated and even empowered within the Conservative Party. Her job is to basically be a stenographer for like court intrigue. For like, it, it's not about is is it, it's not about establishing whether or not Islamophobia is a problem. It's about establishing who's bickering with who within our sort of political class. And I think that you know, I, I imagine probably within like the BBC, like I can't speak to this from any kind of informed perspective, but given that their role is to not take a side and to try and represent everything, 
I would imagine that trying to take a moralistic tone with this kind of thing would be something that would actually be institutionally quite discouraged. I think that the thing to bear in mind is not that she was wrong, that it is on a different uh, scale politically, it's that she was correct, and what that says about our political landscape. Because, again, the, prob the difference in scale is that anti-Semitism is a point of conflict within the Labour Party, or the measures... and Anti-Semitism is not a point of conflict. The vast, vast majority of uh, Labour members, representatives and all that are extremely anti is uh, extremely against anti-Semitism. The the measures of what's being done to deal with anti-Semitism are a point of contention yeah. in the Labour Party. The I mean, measures of what are being done to deal with uh, Islamophobia in the Conservative Party, which is to say basically none, are not a point of contention there because everyone agrees that it's not something that should be undertaken. They are m the the pervasive bigotry and pervasive willingness to instrumentalize bigotry which is a less direct bigotry but it's a bigotry in itself nonetheless just isn't a point of controversy among conservative voters or among conservative representatives aside from Saida Wasi, who is essentially screaming into the void yeah another way that you can see that uh, media tackling of this issue is borne out from i mean from laura kunzberg's account a lot of people pointed this out following that tweet is when you search the term islamophobia in her tweets there's only two results one of which is that tweet we were talking about earlier the other one is a quote from Theresa may saying there has been too much tolerance of extremism of any kind including islamophobia hmm really well oh, you go to both sides that <laughs> yeah you can't you can't specifically condemn islamophobia you also have to condemn but you know who else is bad the people who the Islamophobes are convinced all Muslims are. Yeah, which is like half of the Conservative Party voters, was it? In, yes, in those yes, numbers you half have? of Conservative voters. Okay, wow. And again, these are not these are not marginal, like getting shitty and playing into like you know derogatory tropes when talking about Israel. This is directly saying like the Islam is a threat to the like our British way of life. Nobody in Labour is saying anything on the yeah, nobody thing of like Jews you know, are a threat to our well, life. Or... Actually, that's not fair. A very, very tiny minority are uh, like yeah. believe that, and they typically get booted from the party. It is an extremely marginal view among Labour's that like the Jews represent a threat to Britain in any way, and it's an extremely mainstream opinion apparently among conservative voters that the Muslims are a threat to our country. And part of that is like we this this the disparity among the parties is only we can only talk so much about that because the conservatives have always been the party of not disturbing racial hierarchy too much, which is to say the party of racism. So like obviously we should hold Labour being the like the party of liberatory politics to a different like a different standard than the conservatives. I hear that. I do hear that because sometimes. one of them is standing for anti-racism and the other isn't. I, I do hear that and I do get that. Um, I do agree with you, but at the same time, some some other times I do think we should hold everyone to the same standard. You know, yes. Like regard. Yes. I, I get that there's different. You yes, know. I'm saying this like doesn't. This obviously doesn't excuse what incidents of anti-Semitism there is within uh, Labour, the Labour Party and Labour supporters. I'm just saying that, like, yeah, but I mean, I mean the Conservatives as well. Like, if, oh yeah, if we make a, if we, if we tackle anti-Semitism in the Labour Party, we shouldn't just let the Tories off the hook just oh, because they not. don't care about it. You know what I mean? But also, they probably don't care about what we think. Like, th this is the yeah. other big deal. <laughs> they don't care about what we think. We are. Well, you like, and me specifically. 
you and me specifically, but also <laughs> the left. Nobody, nobody cares what the left thinks. Nobody cares in the media. Nobody cares, uh, certainly among conservatives and certainly among the kinds of voters that the conservatives are targeting. That's the big deal. Conservative voters will not be put off by the prospect that the conservatives are Islamophobic. No. That is kind I mean, that's of, that is the rub of it. Yeah, many far. of them will probably be appealed to by it. Exactly, yeah. Like we said, go check out uh, Evolve Politics. They're exclusive on this and following up. Check out uh, the Guardian piece from Mikdad Versi. He is from the Muslim Council of Britain at M-I-Q-D-A-A-D on Twitter. And it's, um, it's also almost exclusively what Saida Warsi has been tweeting yeah. about, so definitely go check her stuff out because she's basically it, collated most of it really effectively. Yeah, if you want to follow those issues on there, those are places to go to for it. I guess we're kind of finished there. I mean, our kind of opinions on this is that it's incredibly depressing but unsurprising, the fact that there's been no investigation into this in the Conservative Party so far. You know, Islamophobia is a thing in society that's been growing and growing over the past you know, and growing bipartisanly. Let's not yeah. forget this. This is the the entire um, under Blair, the like the war on terror was prosecuted and was justified. And Islamophobia absolutely rose as a result of us suddenly seeing Muslim countries and people who were identified as being motivated by Islam as our enemies. This is this is a thing that literally. Only the left and only the sort of stop the war loonies that everyone always complained about is the the only people who have ever pushed back on this meaningfully. This is not something that the sort of Blairite wing of Labour can be taken off the hook with because they are just as complicit. With fucking Mike Gapes, the new head of TIG, he's a, still a cheerleader for the war in Iraq. Just he's complicit. These people are all complicit, and the only people who are not complicit in the sort of you know, war on terror atmosphere that has allowed Islamophobia to get to the point where it is like a apocalyptic kind of almost like them or us will win levels of, uh, you know, racial hatred and Islamophobia in this country can be laid at the feet of basically everyone except Jeremy Corbyn and his set of people. This is the bizarre part of this entire thing. This is the main reason why no one comments on Islamophobia. Because Islamophobia is the kind of racist Britain is, and the kind of racist Britons are. And that's why it's beneath comment, it's been factored in. It's very easy to point at uh, you know, anti-Semitism, because half the time, the average Briton doesn't remember that Jews exist. And so when they hear, like, oh, Jeremy Corbyn has a problem with the Jews, it's something that they are basically completely absolved of, because they basically never think about the Jews in the slightest anyway. And so... By comparison, the problem is that, you know, anti-Semitism is, like, a huge problem, but it is a marginal problem that can be used to make certain political movements seem weird. Islamophobia is incredibly British, and it has been for a hundred years, and it particularly has been for the last decade and a half. And, you know, that that's fundamentally what it comes down to. It's that this stuff is in the DNA of our public discourse, and it's in the DNA of the discourse that all of these kind of nice centrist uh, kind of, you know, guardians of the public sphere put up with for years and don't fundamentally didn't really see a problem with and didn't see their own complicity in. And it's exclusively the left that has ever pushed back against this. Uh, I would also recommend, if anyone wants to read more about any of these, uh, available on Verso, Aaron K uh, Kandnani's The Muslims Are Coming is an excellent uh, primer on... Uh, Islamophobia in the age of the war on terror. I'd thoroughly it, uh, recommend everyone check out. So, 
that has been Off The Fence. Uh, if you've listened to us before, if you were a new listener or whatever, thanks for listening. It is at Off The Fence Talk on Twitter, soundcloud.com slash Off The Fence on there and iTunes as well. Let us know what you think about the Conservative Party and Islamophobia. Give us a tweet. Whether you think it's going to be tackled anytime soon or whether, like us, you think it's going to drag on until there's another kind of horrible incident that it, it really forces... It's going to drag on until it loses them something, yeah. and it's probably never I going to lose them something. It, it, will, it will drag on until they're not in power, and even then I struggle to think that they'll even... Oh no, if they're not in power, they're going to rely on Islamophobia yeah. as a calling card more than ever. Exactly. I don't think they'll even tackle it then. Anyway, um, thanks for listening. This has been Off The Fence. Cheers. Cheers.